0: Two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Ken Dworznik. Ted, I'm on remote. I apologize for that. Theodore yeah. Klopp. How's your arm? I mean, you're the equivalent and the doppelganger for Oral Hershiser. You've been warming up for spring training. How's that going? Oh
1: yeah, it's go, going well. Going well. Yeah, it's uh, uh, arm is loose. Uh, icing it and uh, making sure it's ready for 200 plus innings. Is your efus pitch ready? By who? Exactly the efus. Yes. nobody throws it better i i just need to make sure i can do it in 15 seconds
0: i'm not saying anything after that we're good ted i was uh on a bit of a trip we could bring that out in out and about um but we kind of had some big news you and i let's be honest we're older Yeah, we did we uh you know we deal with kids we're kind of last in each of our households i would say in the pecking order usually it's kids and animals and then us so but you and i had a really kind of cool experience where we interviewed for a story and it came out last week it was pretty cool
1: yeah we uh uh we look like we're uh ready for it, it looks like our, our our mug shots look like uh an episode of csi or something starsky and hutch something like that but uh oh god uh yeah, it was a good article, and uh, uh, I, I hope everybody enjoyed reading it and gave, maybe got a little insight into what led to us uh, doing this podcast.
0: The best text I got, because I got numerous texts over this, I imagine you got some too. The best text I got is somebody said, Ken, great story. The picture's great. We love the downtown thing. But you look fat and confused. And why are you with Oral Hirschheiser? That is probably the best text I received in quite a while. And I think I'm still laughing over that. But it was fun. I really enjoyed
1: that. The the best reaction I got was from my wife, who saw it on my Facebook timeline and said, you're still doing that? I kind of got the same answer. I'm not going to lie.
0: (laughs) Kind of got the same answer. You guys are still doing that.
1: Hey, Ken, we have a championship it's championship week here for us oh my oh yeah my oldest son's hockey team beat so we're the fourth seed Uh, four teams make the playoffs we're the fourth seed we upset the number one seed in the semifinals four to three and we play for the championship next uh, this coming Saturday
0: are you serious that's awesome
1: that's about really that? cool.
0: That's awesome.
1: And uh, my son got in there, played some. Uh, he was, he's, you know, one of the goalies. And one of the saves that he had was on a little breakaway. Defenseman kind of got beat. And oh, my, I thought I was going to have an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in fact, uh, you could hear me. There's a camera above. I was doing the score sheet and there's a camera right above us. I didn't realize this, but there was a camera and I got to see the feed and you can hear me as the, as the kid is skating the puck in, you hear me, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then he makes the save and there's this sound that is like, I I, I don't know what it was. You know, I just reacted to the save and then uh, there was a lot more, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. But he played really well, and so did the team. And on we go. That is so exciting. Where do you play the championship game at? Where championship is game played? is in Strongsville on Saturday at three fifty. I hope everybody, all of our two middle-aged men in Cleveland uh, cohorts, come out with their two middle-aged men in Cleveland signs and cheer us on.
0: Let's hear you. Let's hear you, Cleveland. Yeah, wherever you are.
1: Yeah, that's exciting. I, I hope. It, who are they playing? What team? They play uh the East Side Tigers. Uh Cleveland Heights yeah. team. Very exciting. Well, best of luck to Fritz yeah.
0: and, and the rest of the team. We we look forward to the next podcast where you can give us a, a very positive result. I'm looking forward I, to that.
1: I hope so. And of course, you know, wouldn't be us if this didn't happen. So we had our game at like I don't know, uh, ten o'clock, I think, in the morning. And the Couple other teams had playoff games in the evening, and I get a text from a parent from one of the other teams. Hey, um, does somebody have? Is there a somebody have a shaker hat with the number forty-one on it? I said, Oh, that'd be my youngest son. Must have left it at the rink. It was still there six hours later. They picked it up, and we're going to get it back. Well, he is excited. Yeah, of Yeah, that, we'll go
0: with that. Well, maybe it was a graduation where after they won, he threw his hat. Maybe that's happened.
1: Or maybe he thought it was a hat trick. Who knows? <laughs> oh, my. Well, that's exciting <laughs> stuff.
0: Congrats. Yeah.
1: Very exciting. Congrats. We have some exciting stuff coming up on our podcast, too. We have a selfie world record set by a most appropriate person. Good news for a girl with a pretty tough checklist. John Grabowski here to talk about a unique piece of Cleveland architecture. Dusty Sloan will join us to talk about a Browns legend. Jen Brazovich has our Cleveland calendar. And we're going to talk with a woman who is a a worm advocate. Ken, do you know what a worm advocate is? Ted, I really don't, and I
0: need to have this interview so I can find out. I don't know no. what a worm advocate is. I mean, I basically, you're just positive
1: about worms, right? Is that where we're at? Well, I don't know, but I'm positive that after this interview, we're going to know the answer to that question and more. And now, a woman's perspective.
2: What do men and mascara have in common? They both run at the first sign of emotion.
1: This has been... A woman's perspective. History time. Get your notepads out. Get ready. We're going to learn about Cleveland and about a very unique structure here in Cleveland the geodesic dome uh, at the ASM International Headquarters. That dome. I I think uh, well John Grabowski is with us our historian <laughs> and, uh, John uh, I think that is a uh, one of uh, Cleveland's kind of secrets I think there's a lot of people who don't even realize that it's there or what it is or its significance
3: Yeah it's it's a national engineering it's a national historical landmark. Uh, and, you know, to do a personal story, I never knew about it until I had my first car, and I decided to take a route out, you know, Route 87, all the way out through Geauga County. And we're going along 87, and I, I look out to my, my right in the window, and in the trees, there's this incredible geodesic dome. And the story of that is it's it's the home of the American Society for Metals, which was an organization started in 1913, not in Cleveland, I believe, in Chicago, and this is all about metallurgy and the importance of metals in industry. And that's what the group does is it, it uh, focuses on that. But it was a, a law, it's, it's called Materials Park uh, by the group, but it was actually the uh, vision of four men. And one, one of the guys who was really the, the, uh, the, the impetus was William Hunt Eisenman, who was the managing director for ASM from 1928 through 1958. And Eisenman owned some property out in Jogga County. And he donated 700 acres to the society to build their new headquarters. And uh, Buckminster Fuller, who was the master of dome structures, uh, was involved in this. And uh, the engineer Thomas C. Howard engineered it. And the structure itself was built between 1958, 1959. ASM moved into it in uh, 1960. And it's remarkable. It is mid-century modern. It's it's incredible. The dome itself, I think, is 270 feet in diameter, it's totally open work. It's all aluminum extruded, aluminum piping in it. Uh, it uh, stands 150, 130 feet high, so you can't miss it from the roadway. And and within, underneath the dome, there's, there's a mineral garden that they have various minerals displayed in, and a 50,000 square foot headquarters building for the ASM, and has a huge uh, number of staff members working there. Uh it's uh, build, building it was was remarkable and, and it's it's just an absolute landmark that, that many people don't know about. Interestingly, it has uh, just recently been refurbished. They refurbished the uh, the interior structure of that uh, that office building. And because it's a landmark structure, they, they had to keep with the mid-century modern. So they refur- refurbished a lot of the furniture that was there it was all night, late 50s, early 60s furniture. So if you're a, a buff of mid-century modern, you really want to get into that structure. Now, the point is it's not open to visitors, but you can you can go to that area when, when the ASM is, is open for visitors, uh, but it's one of these things that, that we you know, unless you're driving out to Georgia County, you really don't know about it. And, but it also reflects something else. And it's the fact that the ASM is in Cleveland at all reflects upon the city's industrial history and, and our need to understand metallurgy to produce the products that we produced here. You know, whether it was beryllium, aluminum uh, or steel that you was know, behind the products, that, that's what the ASM does. It, it deals with all these metals that that made America run and still make America run.
0: John, it seems like a crazy question. And obviously you mentioned it's in jogger County. Where exactly is it located? Where where can I obviously it's a huge structure, so you can't miss it, but what what is the the major city that it's in?
3: It's it's in Russell Township. There's no gotcha. major city okay. near there. And and it's near uh Geauga County's West Park. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. And I think it's like four miles to the west of Punderson. So if you head out 87, you'll just find it you can Google it. Uh, and it, it, it's really stunning because you're going through this this very it's, you know, you've got the West Park, you know, a lot of the land has been has now reverted to the Jug County Park system. So the, wow. uh, the 700 acres part of that land is now part of the park system. But, you know, it's all surrounded by greenery. Uh, wow. Uh, and it, it, you know, my my first impression of it when I drove past it the first time was when did this thing land? the same thing. That was, that was, that thing, was yes. kind of you know <laughs> what I thought.
1: Yeah, he's <laughs> you could easily think that. Uh, that's uh, it's a very unique structure. Well, I, I think uh, it's the
3: largest dome stru- freestanding dome, and, and there are only five struts that hold it up. Oh. Two of oh the trucks run through the building, and and three are on the other side of it. Yeah, wow, <laughs> that's crazy. That, that's uh, one, oh. one other statistic. It it weighs eighty tons, and it contains sixty five thousand parts.
0: Wow,
3: <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, we're lucky to have it.
1: I guess we're not moving it anytime soon.
3: <laughs> no. Not unless it flies.
1: Yeah. Uh Ken, can you spell geodesic?
0: I not correctly if that's what you're asking.
1: Okay. So. All right, very good. Well, John, we appreciate the uh the info on the geodesic dome on uh uh in Greater Cleveland out in Russell Township. Thank you. You're
3: welcome. My pleasure.
0: Achiever time. Actor Ashi Kumar is now the Guinness Book of World Records. He owns the record for the most selfies taken in three minutes. By the way, that was 184. That's right. 184 selfies taken in three minutes. More than 240 fans split into two lines and then Kumar pivoted as he clocked to take as many as he could. Previous holders of this record included Donnie Wahlberg, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and by the way, Ashkies broke the world record while promoting his new movie "Selfie." Well wow, that makes that makes all the sense <laughs> in the world. I like I like that. I like that. How many selfies have you taken? At, at, at one time,
1: play. or just overall? Just in one time. Oh, uh, uh, I think I top out at about two or three. I'm, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, it's just yeah. not that popular. I usually start by not having the camera pointed in the right direction, and it's just downhill from there.
0: Nice selfie of your eyes. I got it. Boom. Dead. We overachieved.
1: for our Cleveland calendar and so destination Cleveland's Jen Brazdovich is here let's see March uh, St. Patrick's Day that's that's the spotlight date on my calendar but I'm guessing there's other stuff Jen
2: St. Patrick's Day is kind of right smack dab in the middle of March and what better way to celebrate Cleveland than some green beer and St. Patrick's Day merriment Uh, There is a lot happening this month, but since you've mentioned it, let's start with St. Patrick's Day. So, of course, the highlight of Cleveland in March is the Cleveland St. Patrick's Day Parade. That will be happening on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Parade starts at 1.04 p.m. So it kicks off at Superior and East 18th Street, and then it goes down Superior and ends at the intersection of Rockwell and Ontario. Um, So if you're downtown for the parade, you want to get down early. Um, Make sure you're using RTA to get here. The red line goes right down to Tower City so you can, you know, grab the train and hop off there at Tower City. Um, It's going to be an insane day downtown. Hopefully we'll have good weather like we had last year. Um, And then if you're downtown, of course, stick around and visit some of the bars and restaurants. There will be things happening, I believe, from like 6 a.m. all day. So your pick of options, kegs and eggs, all sorts of bar crawls and stuff like that. If you absolutely cannot wait until March 17th, I don't blame you. I can't either. I've already got my outfit picked out for St. Patrick's Day. Um, there are also a variety of celebrations and themed bar crawls happening in the weeks leading up to St. Patrick's Day, including the Green Mile Bar Crawl, which is in West Park on March 11th, so the weekend before St. Patrick's Day. Um, West Park, if, if you've been over there, is a, a great bar location. Um, they have PJ McIntyre's, which is, in my opinion, probably the best Irish pub in the country. Uh, absolutely love it. So they'll be doing a bar crawl over there in West Park on March 11th. If you just can't wait for all of the fun of St. Patrick's Day. Um, wow. Let's talk about this weekend. Okay. Weather's, weather's looking a little dicey, but I think we'll be okay for Saturday over at First Energy Stadium. Usually they're playing football over there. This weekend we're going to play some hockey there. So we yeah. have the face-off on the lake. Um, between Michigan and Ohio State a few weeks ago, and now the Cleveland Monsters will be hosting their outdoor classic. This is the first outdoor hockey professional hockey game to be played in the city of Cleveland, so it's pretty cool. Um, they've got that ice on the on the field still, so they'll host the uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, the Pittsburgh Penguins farm team, on uh saturday march 4th that'll be right there on that outdoor rink the game is at one o'clock and there are still tickets still available those tickets start at ten dollars so even if it's last minute and you're looking for something cool to do this weekend um that's a really cool option for you and a very unique thing that you can't experience everywhere so um just another thing that makes cleveland a unique place to be over there and you know we like to make the most of the winter weather when we can so it's a good excuse for that as well Um, We talked about St. Patrick's Day. If you're really looking to keep the beer flowing all month long, um, Great Lakes Brewing Company is celebrating its 35th anniversary this year. Their brewery tours are back this year, and it's a perfect way to celebrate their anniversary and to learn a little bit more. So I've done one of these tours, actually. It is amazing. I've done a lot of brewery tours. Um, In case you can't tell from talking to me, I'm kind of (laughs) passionate about beer. Uh, So I've done a lot of brewery tours in my time. Uh, You know, I've the young age of 35. So in 14 years, I've got a lot of brewery tours in. Um, but this is definitely one of the best ones that I've seen. And it's just such a deep history there at Great Lakes. I mean, it's Ohio's original craft beer. It's Cleveland's, you know, mothership of craft beer. Um, the tours are about an hour, you get four beer samples, you get a souvenir pint glass, You will learn a little something new. One of the coolest things that I learned, and I'm still gonna encourage you to go to the tour, but I will tell you, one of the coolest things that I learned is that they actually have two pipes that run underground from the production facility to the brew house. So when you go to the brew pub and you get a nice cold glass of Dortmund or a Christmas Ale or whatever, they're they're running through those pipes. There's a reason it tastes so fresh. It is literally fresh from the brew pub or from the production facility. So it is. As as wow. can be running under the street there and coming right out of the tap there at the brew pub. Um, wow. So those are happening Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays. And like I said, those are back this year. They were on hold because of COVID. So a really cool way to learn something new about Cleveland's craft beer scene and uh, check off one of those stamps on your Cleveland brewery passport.
1: Now, Now, Jen, it seems like everything that we've talked about so far involves alcohol. I'm, I'm true. Shocked. You don't
2: have to drink at the hockey. Oh, game. oh, Oh, okay. Okay. Now if you prefer popcorn to alcohol, the Cleveland oh. international film festival is in town at the end of this month. So that's okay. two weeks this year, live showings, March 22nd through April 1st. And then they do the online streams um, that they started last year. That'll be April 2nd through the 9th. So that's happening over at playhouse square, no alcohol required there, but lots of popcorn to go around. I'm sure.
1: Sure. Now I'm curious, you mentioned that you've got your, uh, St. Patrick's Day outfit, all uh, ready to go. What, what? When we go to you know the parade and we're looking for you, what do we need to look for?
2: Um, I will be in a green T-shirt. Obviously, I have a uh, gold, like sparkly jacket that I wear over my green T-shirt. And new this year, my best friend knows how much I love St. Patrick's Day, even though I'm only like four percent Irish, probably. Uh, she got me some really cool green beer earrings. So, if you're looking yeah. for me, look for the earrings. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. A hat? Do you have a hat?
2: <laughs> uh, it depends on the weather. If it's cold, okay. I'm going to need a hat.
1: Okay. If it's right. like last year,
2: I might not even need the jacket. You never know. Okay.
1: All right. Okay. Does the shirt say anything? Does it say, I'm, of course, I'm Irish or something like that? Um,
2: It says zero lux given. Okay. So, All clever right. little play on words there. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. okay.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, well. thank you. Uh, you've clearly filled our Cleveland calendar, so we appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Happy St. Patrick's
1: Day. Good news, Ken. A young girl at the PGA's Genesis Invitational about 10 days ago was sitting in the front row of the grandstand at the 17th Green with a sign that said... My bucket list, get a heart transplant, meet Tiger Woods, play Augusta. Now, only get a heart transplant was checked off. Wow. Tiger Woods missed a birdie on the 17th par five, took his golf glove off, signed it, gave it to the girl, and checked off, meet Tiger Woods, and then gave her a high five. Class. That's full class. Nothing else could be said about
0: that. That's really, really cool. What an experience for that young lady. Very cool.
1: Now she's got two keepsakes. She's got the glove and she darn well better save that sign too. I would think so, yes. Blah, 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 blah,
4: blah,
1: blah, 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 Ken, I don't know that I've ever heard of anybody who says that they are a worm advocate, but... That is a
0: first for us.
1: Yeah, I'm curious. So let's talk with uh, Kathy Nesbitt. Kathy, thanks for your time. And can you explain what a worm advocate is? Yes, I'm the head
4: worm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the the talking worm. (laughs) I'm the spokesworm. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so... (laughs) My my working title is Kathy Crawley, Laughing Bean Queen. So it's simple solutions for today's challenges. A worm advocate is uh, somebody who is championing, championing, championing. Easy for me to say, not really. <laughs> uh, worms in the house. So this
1: is indoor composting with worms. Wow! So you want worms in the house? You're saying uh, having worms in the house are these night crawlers, or what are these? Uh, Ah, great guess. Yes. So they are,
4: um, they're earthworms, they're red wigglers and European nightcrawlers. There are thousands of types of worms, only four have been identified for indoor composting.
0: Kathy, obviously composting is getting very big all throughout the world. And and obviously, I think that's part of the reason we were interested in talking with you is is because of, you know, the ability to to compost and and continue with things and all that when, when it comes to to using worms. I guess my first question for you, you know, obviously you talked about indoors. What would you say is one of the easiest worms to raise? You know, you talk about earthworms, is there a specific type of earthworm or what? What is there a particular kind
4: that's easy to do? And, and how do you get started with this? I love it, thank you, great questions. So, if I could talk about how I actually started my business, it's the 21st anniversary of Kathy's Crawley Composters. I'm located in in Canada, just north of Toronto, largest city in Canada. And in 2002, our landfill closed. And although Canada's second largest country in the world, uh, we couldn't find a place to site a new landfill. So, um, you're welcome. We started to export our garbage to the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand trucks a week, like, I mean, cuckoo. What a crazy solution. Not a solution at all, by the way, just shipping the problem somewhere else. But it cost us a lot of money for the privilege of exporting our garbage. So this, um, so yes, um, to answer your questions, Ken, it is a specific worm. There there are four worms that are have been identified. Red wigglers are the optimum. And they're optimum, these composting worms live in a container. Uh, so say a Rubbermaid toad or something about that size, they need a carbon nitrogen mix. So the carbon or the bedding is shredded paper, could be leaves, straw, cardboard. And the nitrogen is the food scraps. The worms need both and they eat both and they turn it into um, black gold. Their poop is the nutrient
1: rich fertilizer. Hmm. Okay. So what what about, um, like everybody's concerned about plastic, and non biodegradable things do worms help with that stuff
4: not yet i understand that they have identified an organism that is able to break down plastic um that's kind of another topic this this is you know really this is a way for there's so many issues there really are so many um issues what i'm tackling here is food waste and paper scraps Um, And the worms, you know, when I started my business, it was waste management tool, right? So that we could stop exporting all that garbage. That was my goal. It's big. (laughs) And then I realized that people were afraid of worms, first of all, (laughs) and they didn't want worms in the house. So that's kind of another separate issue that I had with my business. Um, But what I realized early on was that people wanted the black gold. The gardeners knew the value of the compost that the worms are creating, And in North America, we have destroyed the soil with our monocropping. You know, corn, wheat, corn, wheat, soy, um, acres and acres of monocropping. So we need to add a lot of chemicals, which destroys the biology of the the soil. Mm. So when you talk about, obviously,
0: having the worms inside, is the (laughs) the key to that, is the reason for that is because do things have to be at a certain temperature? Mm. And I guess as part of that, would it be possible and what is the the time span to you know certainly grow worms and things like that does it take a month does it take a couple of months and and can you transfer that to the outside area as well
4: great beautiful lovely questions um temperature absolutely so canada It's too cold in the winter to compost outside. I mean, you can add your scraps and it freezes and then it breaks down faster in the spring. Um, A lot of people don't want to schlep out back in the the winter anyway. (laughs) We just become bears in the winter, stay inside. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so temperature is beautiful for hot places too. It's too hot outside to compost outside. So uh, bring it in inside. And in other places um cottage country where there may be bears or mountain lions or something that you don't want to attract to your backyard composter Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how long does it take there's so many factors temperature moisture airflow particle size the type of things you're putting in your worm bin but the guideline is about maybe three to five months and the worms will convert all the material and then it's time to harvest time to separate your worms and the compost um there's ways to do that. Um, if people are comfortable handling the worms, you just dump everything on a plastic sheet, put it in small round piles. The worms are photosensitive or afraid of the light, they go down into the piles, scoop off the top, scoop around the sides. <laughs> it's not for everybody. Um, and there are systems. There are systems if somebody didn't want to do that piece where the worms migrate up and they leave behind their black gold.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh for those of us who have kids, like Ken and I. Uh do you can you do you, can you identify one worm versus another? Is there any way to do that? Can can the kids uh call these pets? What about uh can kids be involved in that process at all? Kids love it. Oh my gosh, that's a great question. When I
4: started my business, I thought everybody needs this, and then I quickly I don't have business background, but 21 years, I guess I do now. <laughs> But I kind of like fell into this uh, being a business owner, because I had a solution for a huge problem. And so I just started my business thinking I got a solution without any knowledge of how to do it. I wouldn't recommend doing what I did, but (laughs) I'm still standing. Um, Yeah, so I started to do school workshops, I realized that people were afraid of worms and, you know, didn't understand the whole thing. So I felt feel like I needed to create the market. And I started to do school workshops and having worms in the classroom. Some teachers have reported some of the students will eat better because they want, you know, not all the students are academically inclined. Not all the students, you know, fit the the model Some are on the outside. And and they love the more hands on activity of the worm bin. So they'll say, hey, Miss Jones, I want to feed the worms. And they're eating chips or something or cheese strings. (laughs) And it's like, the worms don't eat that. If you want to feed the worms, you have to bring in a healthy snack. So then they bring Uh in their apple. They, (laughs) right, youp. (laughs) bonus. And then they say, oh, I have my apple. I want to feed the worms. It's like that. The worms don't want the whole apple. They just want the core. So you got to eat the apple and then just give them the scraps.
1: Beautiful. That (laughs) is great. It's a cheat sheet to get your kids to eat
5: healthier,
4: you know. And then, and then once you watch the worms, not watch them because they live in the dark, but you know they you see them convert this material into soil, and it's it's the worms are the original alchemists. For so for, to answer your question, for 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 children, it fits every every uh, subject in school you could write songs you could do math you could talk about geography where in the world are the worms you know there's so many ways
0: kathy are there other groups and this is a very interesting topic for me is there other groups like on facebook or other groups that i could contact that that certainly are, are very similar minded as yourself that i can obviously you know learn more about this or different techniques or anything like that
4: Absolutely. Yes. Yes. On Facebook, there are, there's a vermicomposting group or probably several, you know, gardening groups, composting groups. Yes. And my website is chockerblock. My husband's my web guy. And so it's blissfully up to
1: date. <laughs> <laughs> Say that website one more
4: time. <laughs> it's kathyscomposters.com.
1: Kathy's com. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, uh, social media uh social
4: media yes i'm on twitter i'm at squirm Squirm. (laughs) Uh, facebook linkedin (laughs) and youtube
1: okay what 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 would we see on uh youtube are we going to see how you do the composting and separate the worms is that the idea uh there's there is one of those i have a tedx talk from 2013
4: where i talk about the magnitude of the the role the worms are going to play um, pretty heavy topic. Fifteen minutes of of heaviness. No, it's a fun topic. <laughs> um, and then and that now I'm a laughter leader too. So there's tons of uh, laughter videos. My husband and I have done a fun fab Friday video for ninety weeks in a row. Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll check that out as well. We appreciate your time. Thanks for. Uh, now I know what a worm advocate is, and uh, yeah, I think we need more of them. What do you think, Ken? Oh, 100% correct. Yeah, I think maybe we need to start something like this in the,
0: in the Cleveland area. I think that would be a, a great thing for, for you and I and, and kids and all that kind of stuff. This is awesome. This is really cool, Kathy. Thank you very much.
4: I'll come to Ohio and teach you. That'd be great. <laughs> Thank you, Ken, Ken and Ted. I appreciate it. Ted, we're out and about loving it.
0: In Northeast Ohio and on location. This past weekend, I had the opportunity to spend time in Columbus, Ohio with an old friend, somebody that you remember, Kevin Strail. Remember Kevin Strail?
1: Oh, absolutely. So, He's still well, eight feet tall, isn't he? Very tall. Human L. Yes.
0: That's what they call him, the Human L. So, yeah, yeah. we, uh, his wife and uh, Awen and myself, along with him, uh, spent the weekend in Columbus, went to a bunch of different places. The highlights, I thought you get a kick out of this, being the hockey fan that you are, and knowing your kids play. Went to the Blue Jackets game. They played the yep. Edmonton Oilers. Twelve thirty game. Ton of kids. Great atmosphere. I love that arena. The Blue Jackets. Now I hope you're sitting down for this. They actually won. Six to five. <laughs> six to five. They were up four to nothing going into the second period,
5: <laughs>
0: and yep. Edmonton tied it up. They tied it up four four going into the oh, third. Oh boy! It was classic. I bet uh, the Boobers were out. Yeah, they were. But I must say, if no one has checked out any NHL hockey, I've watched it a little bit. There's a guy that plays for Edmonton. His name is Connor McDavid. Oh, You need to follow him. He is unbelievable. Yep. He had a shorthanded goal. For those that don't understand hockey, that means your team, the other team is in the power play, and you're playing shorthanded. He had a shorthanded goal, and then he probably had a top-shelf goal, which means he hit the puck in the top of the net that I think was like 200 miles an hour. I mean, it was just blazing. He is awesome. So, very good. Cool. if I had been Columbus, there and
1: he have scored that top-shelf, you know what I would have said? No. I would have said, that one was top-shelf where Mama hides the cookies. It's
0: I lovely. love it. Oh, of good. course. We went to Columbus. Very nice. We stayed in a German village. The only place that I will highlight is we went to a ton of, ton of them. I'm not going to lie. Some of the places I don't remember, but we went to the sausage house, which is called Schmitz. Are you familiar with Schmitz? Schmitz sausage? Uh, they yes. have it at the Oktoberfest. It's, yes. it's very popular. They have something called the Bahama Mama, which is absolutely outstanding. Oh, they have,
1: they, they redefine sausage. Yes, they do. One hundred
0: percent correct. It is absolutely outstanding. It's one of a1's favorite places. Uh, Kevin and his wife have never been there, so we took them there, and they were they were hooked. And the, the the best part is you have the sausage, but then you also have a cream puff. I mean, it's just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. So and then that you leave our... and you
1: go right to your uh, uh, heart, uh, heart doctor. Yes, you do. Correct.
0: Get yourself an AED. So, but it yes. is phenomenal. We had a we had a great time, um, and then. Uh... We started off. I was, you know, once again, I'm trying to do more service things. Awen and I worked the St. Bernadette's fish fry Friday night. It was, uh, it's an interesting experience. I don't work in food service. So when people get upset, you're not necessarily used to that, but you just kind of, you know, put it in your head what goes on. The fish fry ran very, very well. Everybody should be very proud. We did have one lady that was upset because she didn't understand how to fill the, fill. basically the order form out. And so I helped her and she was upset. And she mentioned that she wanted to go to the VFW hall for her next fish fry. But Father Phil Rocco was happy. There's a lot of people there. I highly recommend it. St. Bernadette's fish fry Friday nights. They have perch. A host of other things, pierogies and all that. It was great. And I worked for four hours. I was the middleman, Ted. I started off serving food, and I got the point, the call to the bullpen, that they need me to handle cash. I'm your guy. I'll count it out. I took all my shoes and socks off and counted out all the money I had to give back. So it was great. So that's my out and about. I know not as exciting as your hockey tournament with your son, but did you guys have an opportunity to get anywhere else? Involving hockey or just out and about with your wife. Were you out and about with your wife at all?
1: We, we went, uh, because of hockey, we were in South bend.
0: Oh, that's right. Right
1: across from the, uh, the football stadium. Touchdown hockey arena. We got to play two games on the big, uh, ice, uh, rink at Notre Dame. Oh, that's like a 5,000 seat arena. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was really neat. That's very cool. cool. Very cool. Um, so that was very exciting. Their uh their Zamboni has a golden dome.
0: <laughs> Does it really?
1: Yep. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. That's a beautiful uh, the camp, slogan at away. the one end God, Country, and Notre Dame. Yep. Um, so we were there, had some great um uh, food during our time there and uh had fun at the tournament, made to the semifinals, lost in overtime two to one. And uh, but everybody played really well, so
0: that's awesome! Uh, Good stuff,
1: very exciting, very exciting uh tournament and uh, a lot of fun. So, yeah, that's we right, out of state and out and about i love
0: it both of us on location hopefully next week we can have more uh, local stories for everyone in two weeks but uh, once again we hope everyone gets out to northeast ohio enjoy those fish fries and enjoy all the bars restaurants that you can so you can be on about with us the most trusted
3: name in journalism klops clips
1: Here we go, Ken. A Columbus, Ohio restaurant is hiring Santino's Pizzeria, looking for people who can be reliable on time and have common sense. (laughs) The sign outside the shop doesn't list those qualities, though. It says that they are now hiring non-stupid people. Oh, jeez. A manager... (laughs) Says they've had trouble with no-shows and employees who don't take the job seriously. Things like a high school kid who was an employee for a period who thought it'd be okay to bring a Nerf gun to work. Oh, my. Now, since posting the sign, they have received lots of applications and seen an uptick in business. Wow. I don't don't know. Maybe maybe we can apply. I don't don't, don't think. We're not stupid, right? See what an HR attorney might say about that one. Yeah, might be a little bit of an issue. A woman in Maryland went to a lottery vending machine intending to buy a two-dollar scratch-off ticket. She mistakenly bought a twenty-dollar scratch-off ticket and was a little upset. That is until the turned out the ticket turned out to be a winner worth fifty grand. Boy, that's a nice mistake to make. What is yeah. That?
0: Boy, I, I like that problem.
1: I don't make mistakes like that, Ken. Thieves in Las Vegas nabbed another catalytic converter. This one came off Oscar Mayer's famous Mobile. Oh, no. It was in town during the Super Bowl. They had to be towed to get it fixed. It was eventually fitted with a temporary converter to make a scheduled appearance. There's a several-month wait for those devices. Now, in the alleged spirit of help, PETA... People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, they uh, heard about this, heard about the wiener woes and uh, they offered to pay for the replacement part and maintenance of the vehicle for the year with one condition. They wanted the company to convert the vehicle to a vegan hot dog mobile or a not dog mobile. (coughs) Oscar Mayer has declined that offer.
0: I'm surprised on them. Yeah, surprised. They're not going to sacrifice being Rio de Janeiro's twenty. 20- What's that? They're not going to sacrifice being a real wiener.
1: No. Rio de Janeiro's twenty twenty three carnival was last weekend. The event includes huge street parties and costumes. <laughs> One guy was dressed as a. He had on a homemade prisoner outfit. Ken uh, had a red top, shorts. With a National Penitentiary Department acronym logo and a homemade ankle tag. Okay. Yeah, he got arrested when cops discovered he had pot and cocaine on him. <laughs> Sports, here are some scores. Four to two, five to two, six to two, three to one. Hmm. I'm Ted Klopp. That's news to me.
0: Cleveland sports history with our favorite historian, Dusty Sloan. Dusty, we have a Cleveland Browns tidbit for you. I know you enjoy talking about the Browns. It's one of your favorite teams. We go back to February 23rd, 1923. Dante Lavelli is born. He was part of the AFC and NFL and obviously a very good receiver for the Browns. What can you tell us about Dante Lavelli, the Hall of Famer?
5: Well, guys, Dante Lavelli was one of the first superstars with the Browns, obviously, was with the team as a rookie, as age 23 year, in 1946, led the AFC in both receptions and yards and yards per catch and yards per game in that year, 1946. And again, that's not easy to do, given that in 1946, he didn't pass the ball very much. But he was a very steady player for the Browns, obviously a Hall of Famer, won all those championships in the AFC and then transitioned in the NFL. But obviously, he was a very big favorite of Otto Graham, catching 800 yards worth of catches into his 30s in 1954. But very steady player, pro bowler three times. I mean, Otto Graham probably wouldn't would have said back then, I'm sure he did, that he was his favorite receiver and the one that he would kind of his security blanket when things were tough, which wasn't very often with the Browns.
1: Dante Lavelli, uh, part of the the legendary i guess you'd say cleveland browns teams that uh really put cleveland on the map when uh when that whole merger and all of that uh you know when all that was happening he was he was catching touchdowns and kind of in the middle of all that
5: well he was one of those players again the nfl the old guard thought that once the browns came into the league in the 50s that these guys would struggle well dante lavelli's numbers got better once they got into the NFL. And again, in that age 31 year, in 1954, he caught 47 passes for 802 yards and seven touchdowns. So not only was he productive in the NFL, he was productive into his ninth, 10th, 11th season in the NFL.
0: We always try to play the game, Dusty, and I think many of of us have done this. How would a player react to playing now? And you look at the stats (laughs) of Dante Labelli and and what he did and, and how he played, and obviously there's very limited video. From everything I've seen from him, and maybe I'm completely off base, I think he's the type of player, Dusty, that could have excelled now the way the NFL set up. What do you think?
5: I agree. And you look at his uh, six foot 191, and he was a right end, which means he was the right wide receiver most of the time for the Browns back then. I don't know that he would necessarily be big enough to do that, but maybe line him up in the slot, and he probably would have been a very productive player. And like I said, with Otto Graham and him having such a connection – I I would think that any quarterback would have loved to have a player of his stature in the past happy league that we have now running any kind of route from any place in the formation.
1: Unbelievable. The versatility of those guys back then. I mean, you've got uh, uh, Lou the toe playing tackle and being the place kicker. And you mentioned Dante Lavelli's versatility. Those guys, I know they'd they'd excel. I agree. They'd excel now, but I wonder if they'd uh I wonder if they'd be a little frustrated. What do you mean I only play in one position? I, I I can do I can do a couple of things here. What's going on?
0: Well, I can answer that. Yeah. They'd be very happy to play now. They'd make a heck of a lot more. Well, now. that's true. So.
5: There's that.
0: There's that. And, the, and
5: the rosters weren't that big in the AFC, so they kind of had to back then too. But yes.
0: Well, Dusty, great information on Dante Lavelli, born on February 23rd, 1923. The Hall of Famer who played at the AFC in the NFL and, of course, for the Cleveland Browns. Thanks again, Dusty. Thanks, guys.
4: Cleveland! This is for you! Oh, no, not a dad joke.
0: Ted, why did St. Patrick drive the snakes out of Ireland? Uh, I don't know. He didn't feel like walking.
2: That joke was horrible.
1: We're coming to the episode, the end of episode 109, Ken. We totally forgot to do our uh, our gimmick about what number nine uh, has significance in the city of Cleveland. I don't know. Gosh, good call. What what? Uh, I, I've done no, no research because I'm on location. I've done no research as well. What number was Tom Tupa? He was seven, wasn't he? What what about Matt Barr? Wasn't he 9? Oh yeah, Matt Barr was uh, 9, yeah. What
0: about now Omar was it 9, was he? No. scale? No, Carlos Bayer uh, guy. Carlos Bayer. How did I nine? forget that? Oh my god, that's so bad. He was one of my grandmother's favorite players.
1: So Loved was him. Matt Williams, number 9. You
0: know, he only played one year for us. There's a lot of issues with that, but we're not going to talk about that today. So Yeah. One issue is
1: Well, next week on the, or I should say in two weeks on the show, we're going to have Vic Ferrari on the show. This is not a car-oriented show. We're not going to talk about sports cars. We're going to talk about police work. Vic is a former New York City police officer with some unbelievable stories to tell. Yeah, I was
0: uh, very excited about this. I had the opportunity to do some research, and, and Vic has worked at a couple different police departments, but he was working with you know people that have an alcohol problem, and obviously DUIs, so he's done, got many stories with that, and also some other interesting stories as well. He's got four books he's written, and I think he's in the process of writing another. So I imagine any time we could talk to a former police officer, they always have some r- ridiculous story, and I imagine Vic will not disappoint. That should be great.
1: Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, more, more, more s- sooner than that. I, uh, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to see if we can't uh, raise a banner. My gosh, see. we need that. Where would yeah. the parade be? Right, right in Shaker. Right down yeah, the street. Yeah, right, we're going to walk from the parking lot to the rink. I like that. That
0: would yeah. be great. That would be great. Yeah. Well, I'll be rooting all the way from Rocky River. I'll get it done for you. I'll see wait. how many fans we can get there. Yeah, It's exciting. Well, one thing, Ted, before we close the show, sometimes when you do something, they never let you get out. So I got the text and call and text and email this past weekend. I guess I'm back in the saddle with some Ashton University women's basketball games. So I'll be doing some public address announcing. Yes. The reason I bring this up, yeah, for the GMAC, the women's team this year? undefeated 29 and oh how about they're that? number one in the country are they not they're pretty good yeah. yeah so we're i'm excited i'm looking forward to see how many names i could screw up on saturday so we'll see what we can do well i'm just hoping to get the au names right for the other team i've done this for years i'm not sure if you did this i would purposely at times mispronounce <laughs> the names of the other team wrong pick a name and say it differently so, every time
1: that's correct
0: now the name is Tim. I I will say team team. Team
1: Tim team, Tim. Teamer. Yep. Uh, when you say the coach of Ashland University, I think you should say your name's Carrie Doherty. I think you say head coach Carrie Doherty. Oh my gosh, yes, I know. I
0: actually did that when she was a player. And now her name is Pickens, so I can't it's not nice oh. I I had a couple times that I did it like that. I know you would on the on the broadcast as oh, well. I, I used to call those games. I so. would
1: absolutely.
0: So this should be fun. It'll be nice. It should be packed house and all that. It should be good time. So we'll I gotta uh, start working on the pipes. I, I don't know if I can make the three call like I used to, but we'll we'll figure something out. So well, sir, great stuff. Great episode. Thanks to our guests. Thanks to uh, Everyone that's been a part of our podcast, Dusty Sloan, John, the historian, Jen Brastovich, and the Worm Lady. We appreciate all your time, efforts, and information. And until next time, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland.
3: Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Westminster AV, custom audio-visual packages for all occasions.